Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Driving by, saw the truck on fire. Local fire put it out. A lot of people have asked me what I think of Troy Parker Jr. About whether he deserves to pay for Elizabeth's life with his own. Troy Parker's being released today. Five years, right? Because you wouldn't testify? It was the right thing to do. She died so that you could save his soul. She died. God is giving me a chance to make something out of it. You offering me a job? Yeah, it looks that way. Oh, Samuel, come on now. Your mother would have wanted... Hey, don't do that. There was another car. Get the hell out! Where were you that night? Take my car go home. Go home! You get all that blood off your hands, preacher? What did you do? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 487. Out now in theaters and on demand across the U.S. is What Remains?, a murder mystery that stars Chris Williams as a small-town Texas pastor whose decision to forgive the man who killed his wife results in high-stakes ramifications for his family and his community. Also starring Kellen Lutz in the late Anne H. in what will be her final performance, What Remains is a faith-based film of raw emotion and complex moral issues that asks us, the viewer, to question our own truths when it comes to faith, family, and forgiveness. And joining me now on the podcast is a writer and director of What Remains, Mr. Nathan Scoggins. Nathan, I thank you so very much for your time today. Uh, no problem. Thank you. Happy to uh, happy to be here. How many podcasts have you done? 470 Eight. something? So this will be number 487. I got another that few. Is remarkable. Hopefully by the end of the year, I might hit 500, but who knows? <laughs> I, will, I will try to bring something that the 486 people before me have not done. <laughs> let's, let's start off with the first question then which is uh, a predictable one but uh one is always good to start with so I've, I've read that um you actually wrote this script back in 2018 but this was like a the story at least the, the crux of it was something that you thought about like a decade even before that what was going on in your life at that time that really brought about uh this the story for this movie um, because it is a film, film that really kind of dense on kind of like moral issues. I'm really uh, curious about what it was going on with you uh, during that time uh, in the mid 2000s that really brought about uh, this story at that at that moment. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's a that's a great question. I can see why you've done so many of these podcasts. Um, uh, it was interesting because in, in the mid 2000s, I was still kind of newly married. My wife and I got married in 2001. We moved to LA <clears throat> at the end of 2002. And where the story came from, 
you know, it started with this really kind of, I, mean, I guess, kind of a morbid thing, but my wife and I had, had had some conflict. And so I was upstairs and sort of in my office kind of just, you know, trying to get, get back to sort of terra firma. And I had this thought of, and we had people coming over later that night. So I had to run out to the store to get something. And I thought, you know, what would happen if <clears throat> I left the house to go get, you know, whatever I needed to get the local grocery store. And while I was gone, someone came in and, 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 and murdered my wife. Um, and how would I feel if a, you know, the last, my last interaction with my wife had been in conflict and then what, what would I, what would I do with that guy? You know, what, what would I, you know, there've been, there've been some of these stories in the, in the press about, um, some profound acts of forgiveness that had, had taken place with different people, forgiving people for one thing or another. And I thought, you know, could I do that? And, <clears throat> and, and I, and that, I just found that to be a really, sort of fascinating moral terrain to navigate. You know, what do we forgive? What don't we forgive? Why do we forgive? Um, and and I was in prep on, on what was going to be my first feature film, the least of these, mm-hmm. as I had that thought. And then I went to um, I went to Sundance that year. And I was talking with a friend. We were kind of kicking around ideas. And I kicked around this idea. And he kind of responded to it. And so I thought, okay, well, there's something there. And then I tried to write it. And it was... Um, terrible and i realized that i was not yet the storyteller who could tell that story you know david peoples has the story of how he sold clint eastwood unforgiven in 1982 and it took clint 10 years to feel like he was able to finally do that part justice and so i do think that sometimes story ideas come to us as storytellers and we are not yet um uh good enough storytellers to tell those stories and so yeah the story kind of went into a drawer uh, in the back of met- metaphorically in the back of my mind. And then I took it out <clears throat> a couple years later, tried to write it again, realized, nope, still not the writer to tell this story. Um, and then in, uh, yeah, at the end of 2018, um, I pitched out for a project and do what all writers in LA do. You're going out on pitch meetings or whatever. And, and, um, that project <clears throat> wasn't going to go, going to go anywhere. And it was my wife who said, you know, what would you write if you didn't have to go to Warner brothers and, 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 and ask permission and what remains finally, finally emerged. So it was, it was, it was definitely kind of like fits and starts. Um, but I think that, you know, it started with this question for me, you know, I think a, a lot of times <clears throat> great stories start with personal questions. And for me, that, that personal question of what, what do I find unforgivable? Um, and what, and what do I need to forgive? Um, was, was very much connected to that. I think there were some issues that I was dealing with as well with some, extended family where you know most relationships kind of <clears throat> sit somewhere on this crux of truth and loyalty mm. what what do you what do you tell the truth about in your relationships and you risk being disloyal and what are you loyal to and so you overlook a truth because you're trying to preserve loyalty and, and that was a really interesting thematic thing and i was trying to deal with that with some extended family at the same time and i think these you know all these sort of strands finally collided in the story that i wrote um in six weeks and and that has kind of endeared to the movie that it is now the story begins with an incredible example of of forgiveness by the the lead character of marshall who's played by chris williams um and i think and for him the forgiveness comes from a place where he as a pastor as a christian he has to has to live up and be an example um, for the teachings of of his religion, of his faith, the teachings of Jesus. I myself am a Christian as well, and it's a 
it's a, a movie and a scene that really kind of like uh, spoke to me. Um, and I think when facing such tragic circumstances to be able to forgive in that kind of way is an incredibly remarkable thing. You know, I don't know if you noticed, Nathan, but there was an incident in, in Australia a couple of years ago, um, here in Sydney, actually, not not too far from here, maybe like a half hour drive or so, um, where um, there's a, a group of kids got um, mowed down by a drunk driver. Um, yes. In, in, in a, yes, I do remember this. Yes. Yeah, there were the Abdullah family, and they all they there was um, three children and one and one um, niece of this one family, and the family are Christians uh, to be Catholic to be to be um, exact, and um, they forgave the driver. Um, yeah. Maybe a couple of days after that, and it was a it was a moment in in our life here in, in Australia, and I think uh, globally as well, where. A lot of things were going on. COVID was just beginning. You know, there's all these things happening in, in the US in regards to um, the riots, et cetera. And it was a moment of forgiveness and, and that, that was incredibly powerful um, just in, in in the way that it was done. And also, uh, in, in also, I think it spoke to a lot of people where, you know, unfortunately these days, and it has been for a little while now, forgiveness has not been a high priority um, I think judgment and 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 um and the whole kind of like cancelling kind of aspect of things with regards to people and their behaviors has been more prominent. And when you talk about forgiveness, yeah. especially in regards to such a tragic circumstance, I think it's such a powerful thing, isn't it, Nathan? And I think especially in a in a film uh, cinematic and story format, it's such an excellent way to kind of root the kind of like the moral quandaries a lot of these characters face in your film. Well, I, th- I, <clears throat> I think you're absolutely right. And I think that one of the things about forgiveness is that, you know, I, I, you, you used the phrase earlier um, when describing the movie that it's a faith-based film. It's, it's interesting. We were just at the big Amarillo, Texas premiere last week where we shot the film with you know, 900 people there. And somebody asked a question in the Q&A afterwards. Um, if I consider this a faith-based film, and in, in Texas, film becomes a two-syllable word, mm. F-I-Y-I-L-M, uh, film. And <clears throat> and I said, you know, I don't know if it's a faith-based film because, you know, about halfway through the movie, it, it takes quite a turn, um, you know, where you think you know where it's going and then it, and then it doesn't go that particular way. But, but, but it's certainly a movie about faith and it's a movie about forgiveness and it's a movie about the need of these things, but also the cost of them. And I'm really interested in the idea that doing the right thing carries a cost. You know, Jesus says in the scriptures that, that we should count the cost, um, you know, as, as we follow him. And, and I think that, you know, what, what I think is really interesting about the movie is that, you know, a lot of faith-based films might end with the noble choice of the pastor to forgive. And I'm really interested in what happens after you make that noble choice, because you're right. It's it, to a certain extent, it's it's a little aspirational that he's able to do that. And I think it's I think it's aspirational for him in a way that he doesn't even necessarily realize. Right towards you know in the middle of the film, he's having a conversation with his son, and his son saying, "How can you forgive?" And he says, "I, I can't. You know, I I I I forgave him and thought I'd never see him again. Now now I have to see him every day up close. It's it's one thing to forgive when someone's far away. It's another thing to have to do it." every day in and out. And, and that to me, I think is the really interesting thing for stories and storytelling is what happens after a character gets an epiphany? What what happens after a character gets a sense of, 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 of trying to do the right thing. And, and I think that, you know, forgiveness is a day in day out 
process. It's a, it's an everyday dying to yourself. It's dying to your own ego. It's dying to your, to your own dreams and ambitions. And, and that is a, that's a heavy cross to bear. And it's a good one, you know, cause I, cause what, you know, Crest says early in the, in the film, um, you know, I've learned that when we, when we, when we, when we don't forgive, we're the ones who suffer the most. I've suffered enough. Yeah. And I do think that we suffer when we, when we refuse to forgive. But I also do think that that suffering, that 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 forgiveness carries its own cost and carries its own burden. And and I really wanted to tell a movie that shows the cost of that, but that also shows the cost of not. You know, uh, Marcus Cress's character's son labors under the weight of unforgiveness. Kellen, yeah. uh, the criminal, uh, also labors under the weight of unforgiveness. And and so while I think the movie points out that you know forgiving carries a cost so does so does unforgiving and and the and the unwillingness to forgive and that, you know, that dichotomy i thought was really interesting and i thought it was also really interesting because you're right we live in a time where people have decided there are things that are unforgivable and usually it's when they are personally affected by something and they take offense at something or whatever but 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 i but i really like the idea of you, you are entirely justified if you say i don't want to forgive this particular thing right mm. marcus does not want to forgive Kellen's character. Um, and he's right, you know, at one level. We go, yeah, like, look what he did. But but I think that's where the interesting point of drama comes in is when you when you go, yeah, both these 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 perspectives are correct. Cress is right for wanting to forgive, Marcus is right for not wanting to. And and what happens, you know, it, it, as a result is I think the stuff of, of good drama. And I think we have that with with what remains. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. What I really love about What Remains is that it also delves into the aspect of free will in regards yeah. to the choices we made to sin. You know, yeah. sin to sin is a choice. I mean, that's a whole yeah. point about it. You have free will and you choose to, whether to eat the apple or not to do so. And yeah. um, there's a moment in this in your movie where in the middle of the film, um, a choice is made. And the way that it's done visually is really interesting. You split the screen in two, and you have the two different paths in yeah. front of us. One is for letting go and forgiveness, and the other one is to give it in to the hatred and to the 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 yeah. um, the sense of injustice uh, and yeah. giving in to kind of like the more kind of like um, uh, eye for an eye kind of aspect of of yeah. of of um of approaching a crime um and it's really such an interesting way that you did it because it shows the sliding door moment it shows 
how both parts can play out. And then it shows the, the ramification of the choice that was made. Yeah. The whole visual approach that you had for that, um, was that something that you always wanted to try in the film? Because I thought it was really kind of interesting how it was set, how it, was, how it plays out, um, the parallels between the two, and also how me as a viewer kind of took it all in. Because sometimes when you deal with kind of that kind of split screen stuff, it can be kind of a little a little too much. But in this case, I thought it, it fits the, the themes of the film and also the approach of the filmmaking uh, really well. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think, you know, look, when we're, when you're making an independent film like ours, right, and it's, it's an intimate film, you know, we, we tried to set it against some, some epic uh, backdrops. I mean, you know, Amarillo, Texas, it, you know, I, I shot it um, two, three, five, because I wanted to get a sense of the, the scope and the scale of the landscape. Mm. Um, and I also wanted a story to feel big, even though it is kind of small and, and, and insular. I wanted to at least feel epic in, in terms of the framing of it. And, and, and even though it is a, a small, um, movie in terms of, you know, this is a relationship, it's a relationship film. There's no third act CG punching. Um, it, so it's, it's very different from other movies in that regard. But, you know, when you're making a movie like this, you always want to try to figure out, okay, what can I do? to help the movie feel at least cinematic in terms of scope and scale. And it was actually funny because my wife and I, we were um, uh, heading off to church one particular Sunday morning. And and I was thinking about the script and thinking about the script and I hadn't really cracked um, it the way that I wanted to. And then I think I'd been watching a Brian De Palma movie and De Palma plays with split screens, but he tends to play with split screens in terms of the same scene, right? You're seeing both, both characters' perspectives on a particular scene. I really wanted to take that cinematic technique, which hasn't been used in a while, and I wanted to apply it to two different realities. And so I really liked the idea of, of a, you know, suddenly we see, you're right, one choice leads to two completely different paths. And so I, I told my wife, uh, we're going to be late to church because I had to, you know, run off to the script and, 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 and write it right there. And, and so it was always conceived as a split screen sequence. But I had no idea how we were going to do it. And when I when I sent the script to Lonnie Irvin, my editor, I said, you know, we're going to give this a shot. I don't know how it's going to work. And he said, I don't know how it's going to work either. Mm. But but there's something kind of fun about, you know, when you're making an indie, you can kind of feel free to experiment. You can kind of feel free to 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 play because, you know, <clears throat> it's we're doing it independently. I don't, I don't need 17 executives to sign off on it. And so what was crazy, uh, Matt, was when we. Um, we were shooting and it was, it was actually interesting. We, we shot the, that scene twice and, and the, the scene where it's, it, you know, the, the, the one choice is made and, and Cress goes upstairs and it was this kind of, you know, I don't know if there was an angel on my shoulder or what, but we did the whole thing where we pushed into Marcus and then um, I told our DP just to start to pull back. Because uh, originally I, I, it was intended that it was just going to end with a close on him. And then I just said, well, just sit here for a second and then let's pull back slowly. And we Hollywooded out the table that was in the way and all this kind of stuff. We had a great grip team and we just kind of held and held and held and held and held until finally I said cut. And then when Lonnie edited it, he summoned me and Corey, my producer, to to his the um, to the edit bay. And he said, I just want to show you the most extraordinary thing that I've done in 20 years of editing. And he showed us the sequence, which was pretty much as it is in the film. And it was just kind of remarkable, like all these confluence of things that happened to make it work. Um, and I was suddenly so thrilled. I called my wife that night and said, 
I do not deserve the movie that I did because that that sequence. I think in some ways it 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 it's it's the it's probably the first moment in the scene in the movie where an audience kind of sits up and goes, oh, okay, something different's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, something something unique is happening, and 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 I was so grateful that it worked the way that um, uh, I had conceived it because again, you write it and you have no idea, you don't know if it's going to work or not, and then you know you 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 get into the edit and you go. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and so, so it did, it, it worked the way that I wanted it to, it, it, it had the intent the way that I wanted it to. And it's funny because people watch it now. And I've seen it with lots of audiences. We've been playing in LA in theaters for about a week and, uh, you know, watching Amarillo and everyone wants to talk about that scene because they want to know like what went into it. And I, so I joke, I say, listen, if you, if you want a faith-based film, um, you get one side of the screen. That's your movie, and then and then, but the movie that we're telling is the other side of the screen, and it and it keeps going, and 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 it's um yeah, I I, I love that sequence. I'm so I'm so so proud and grateful for for how it turned out. I also love the film's ending. It's very ambiguous, um, but I think uh-huh. it works incredibly well in regards to the story you you told because essentially what the film is asking is like what truths do we hold when it comes to you mentioned before loyalty and honesty i spoke before about forgiveness and we talked about choices and leaving it open the way you did i'm not going to tell anyone exactly what it is or what happened but leaving it open the way you did it makes us question our own beliefs while watching it how will we approach and i think that's a real not only a really courageous way to to go about it but I, i really kind of uh you know um impressive way as well i gotta say i really liked how you did that it really made me you know i already was engaged in the movie but even more so afterwards it makes you talk about it and makes you do an internal debate and i think that some of the best movies actually do that um was that always on the cards for you to always have that open ending to and to have hopefully uh the audience discuss these things if not with themselves but with the person next to them in the theater or watching at home yeah i mean you know i think that <clears throat> I think that, you know, I, I forget who said that good art should um, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. But, but I, but I, I love those movies that, you know, I just, I just looked at um, Dog Day Afternoon mm. uh, just a couple of, uh, of days ago. Great Again, film. it's been, been a little time, been a little since I watched it. And not that I'm putting myself in that, in that category at all, but, you know, Sidney Lumet and 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 William Friedkin and, and some of these you know amazing filmmakers from the 1970s really did sort of make these movies that really sort of engaged, forced the, the audience to to be challenged and 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 ask hard questions. And I, I do have to say, look, I mean, I, I love the Marvel movies. I love the, the the stuff that that those guys do. And you know, I own all the Blu-rays and, and all that stuff. But but I do also love movies that invite the audience to be collaborators as storytellers. Um, I love, I love a movie that kind of leaves you thinking and wondering and asking questions. And, and I love the movies that you can, that you can talk about and debate. And someone paid me a great compliment. They'd watched the movie a couple months ago and they texted me not long ago and said, I'm still thinking about your movie. And, you know, if you're, if you're a storyteller, an artist, your legacy is your films to an extent. And so you want to leave movies where, where people, you know, where they're not disposable, you kind of, you, you, you don't walk away and go, okay, great, thanks. And, you know, and, and now what, but, but, but you want to tell stories where people go, I'm still thinking about that. You know, so as a, some of the filmmaker friends of mine, who I really respect filmmakers like Scott teams or, or other folks, 
you know, Scott made a great little movie not long ago called The Quarry that has a shot in it that I'm still thinking about two years after I saw it. So I love the idea of trying to leave the audience with something where they, they're, they're challenged, they're, they're, they're thinking, they're asking questions. And I think crucial to that is trying to tell a story where no matter where you land on the subject, you're right. You know, all of these characters all have a strong point of view and they are all, you, you, you know, depending where you land as an audience member, you might agree with them, you know, um, Anne Hayes, who plays the, the sheriff, she, she's right. And, 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 and her perspective is, is entirely understandable. And Marcus, who plays Samuel, his, his character is right. You know, Kellen's character is right. Chris is like all these characters, I think have such rich, um, POVs that, that the audience, hopefully, you know, wherever you land, you're agreeing. And then maybe that leads to lots of good conversation afterwards, um, you know, in the, in the parking lot and at the coffee shop and over dinner or whatever. It's like, I, I can't think of a better honor for a filmmaker than to make a movie where people go, I'm still thinking about it. You know I mean? We certainly got into it in the, in the, um, when it comes to the ending, we got into it on the set where everybody wanted to know what I think, what I was going for with the ending. And I said, I'm not going to tell you, I want mm. you to decide. And so Anne had her perspective on the ending and she, you know, kind of laid it all out for me and said, am I right? And I said, maybe, you know, and, and Cress had his own thoughts. And, and so he would ask me, you know, what do you think? And I'd be like, maybe. And so, you know, I, I, I like that. I like, I like the ability of the audience to lean forward and engage rather than sit back and be presented. And I hope that the ending does kind of allow for that. And, you know, it's funny because when my wife read it, she said, well, maybe you could shoot it in such a way where like you play the shot out and then the decision becomes clear. And I said, yeah, maybe. And then we, <laughs> we didn't do that. Um, but it was, but it was interesting because <clears throat> um, we, we, we shot it and we edited it and we scored it. And then I, and then we mixed it and it was all locked. And I thought about it the next morning. I woke up at five in the morning on Saturday and I called my, my um, post sound guy, Joel Catalan and said, we're not done yet. And he said, okay. And I took it back to our editor and I said, I just need you to just, I need to just find, find a little hope, find, find something at the end. It doesn't tip the scales, but just, it gives people who might be wanting you know, a little bit of hope. It gives them a little something. And he came up with a little flash of light um, and then I had to take it back to my composer and have him score that little flash of light. And then we had to bring it back to our sound mixture and have him do it. And so it was a little bit of a, of a, the ending was a little bit of, of, of work to find. Um, and then when, when Anne passed in August, we, we had to go back in and find a little bit more. Um, so the ending, you know, the ending was always as intended, but it definitely morphed and shifted a little bit as we, as we kind of got into it. Well, I, I absolutely love the ending, and there's so many things in this movie that uh, what remains that I, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed that it makes me ask questions of myself because sometimes we don't want to even go down those roads and ask these questions oh, no. because yeah. it, it can put yeah. us in a in a dark place. Well, I think it's really important as well to be able to kind of just you know dive deep and almost into it, like almost in a, in a form of prayer in a kind of way that. You just kind of move your own and you go through it in your head and you, and you think about it. And 
in, in, and then again, sometimes you might have an answer, but until it happens to you, you don't really know. But it's always it's always great to watch a movie that that asks uh, asks me to 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 question that stuff, and I enjoyed it very much. And I recommend everyone out there what remains um, on demand across in theaters across the US right now. I really recommend you check this film out because I think the themes in it is important. The performances are terrific. I got to say, Anne Heche, um, uh, with this being her final performance, does a really incredible job. Um, I've always thought that she was incredibly underrated as an actor. Yeah. You just have to yeah, look at the work in Wag the Dog and Donnie Brasco oh, and yeah. so many others. And yep. um, she just a, really is a, was a fantastic actress and great to see her putting such a great performance in, in your film, um, in the character of the sheriff. And um, I got to say, uh, Nathan, it's been fantastic to talk to you today. Um, I really enjoyed your film and congratulations to you. And hopefully in the future we get to talk again because it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. It's been great, Matt. Thanks so much. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Anne was a tremendous gift, and I'm so grateful that people are getting to uh, discover her again because she was, she was a, a, a truly a blessing to us. So, yeah. Nathan, I thank you so very much for your time. Um, I'm going to have this podcast up very, very soon, and my review up very soon as well. And I'll be sure to send you the links when when I do so. And um, yeah, once again, just thank you for for your patience with me and for your t- uh, your time today. And um, and congrats with the movie. Uh, what remains is uh, it's definitely one of my favorite films I've watched recently, and um, it's a, it is Thank a you. film that does uh, resonate with me in many ways, and, and, and its themes and its performances have stuck with me. So uh, I thank you so much for that. Thanks so much, Matt. That's a that's a tremendously kind. Thank you. I really appreciate it.